Hello, and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast. And my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. Uh, we got two big, gigantic announcements right at the top. Number I'm one. I'm so excited. Dragon Age 11S, <laughs> Echoes of an Elusive Age, <laughs> Definitive Edition, for the Nintendo Switch, is now available on the Xbox Dragon via Game Pass. Dragon Quest, you mean? Did I say Dragon Age? You did. Yeah, I do that constantly. It's impossible okay. to not mess. You want to try it again? AJ, Real bleak quick. noise. <laughs> we got two huge announcements. <laughs> Number Double one. Double Dragon dra- 11 <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, oh my god, Double Dragon. Didn't they just make a new Double Dragon? There was a new Streets of Rage. Streets of Rage. Similar. Yeah. yeah. Which is Streets great. Streets of Rage, Streets of Rage 11S. Echoes of the <laughs> Anyway, uh, Dragon Quest XI is out on Game Pass. I just wanted to say that. Uh, the more I play that, the more it becomes my favorite game of all time. Uh, just, just want you to go check it out if you haven't and you have the ability to play it on Game Pass. Uh, I think it's going to be on PC Game Pass also, which is pretty cool. So if you have a PC, you can also check it out. I'm excited to play it on on Game Pass on the Series S because the PS4 version, as I've talked about, is like limited in some ways, especially the soundtrack. Yeah. So it'll be they cool removed to like get it the full from thing. the PSN store also. They removed the old version from every store that was available for you. Whoa. You can only get S now. So I have like a PT version of it, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's the scarier version, the scarier cut. Did I tell you this? You can't play PT on the PS5. Oh, really? Even yeah, if you it have carries it over. PS4? Like the actual, like the software will like transfer from your PS4 to your PS5, but you can't open it. It's cursed. Yeah, yeah I love that. It's really that. upsetting. I was I was yeah. really bummed about it. I guess I could. I may imagine if I kept my PS4 just to play PT. Why not? I guess I could. Anyway, so that's our first make big it full announcement. Full Halloween. Put spider webs on it. A Ooh. weird journal that's like love, Victorian. Oh my god! Yeah, oh my god! How funny would that be? Yeah. If I if I just like did it up as if it was like an item you would find in a Resident Evil or a Silent Hill game and just like put it in like a weird chest next to a typewriter. Yeah. Amazing. So that's our first big announcement is that I'm Mm. about to put my PS4 in a chest next to a typewriter (laughs) to cover it in either fake cobwebs or real ones if I can get enough spiders. Yeah. Live a little. Get some real spiders. Get some real spiders. You know me, Brendan Bigley, famous spider lover. (laughs) Uh... The second actual announcement. We don't very frequently talk about the fact that we are on a podcast network currently because there's only one show that's active on the podcast network, which, you know, is it a network if it's only one show? You know, questions abound. But we're part of a podcast network that's called uh, TWG, which is uh, The Worst Garbage uh, is the name of it. You can find the website at theworstgarbage.online. That link maybe is in the show notes. I don't even remember. But for those of you astute listeners, uh, it is uh, mentioned at the end of every episode via like a little stinger. Uh, So I guess listen for it this time. But anyway, uh, there was a show on there for a long time that was called No Script at All. Uh, It was a recap podcast that I did with my good friend Andrea about uh, Terrace House, which was a Japanese reality show. Uh, You can go listen to it. It's all still available. You can go check it out. That show ended uh, both the actual TV show and the podcast at the same time, which was kind of a bummer. But that pretty much left just the Aether um, as, as the only show that was available on the network. We have recently added a new show, which is really exciting. I'm really yes. excited about it. I'm excited um, too. Steven is, I think, equally excited. Yeah. Uh, it's called Eleven again. <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. also excited. <laughs> it's called Eleven again. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, it, it's by uh, Percy of Berlin. It's a show about uh, like revisiting the things that we like loved and were obsessed with when we were, you know, 11 or 12 or that age. I, I don't know about you, dear listener, but I definitely had a bunch of things that I would like watch over and over and over and over again or read over and over and over and over again uh, at that age and just like could not stop ingesting that sweet content so that's what the show is about it's pretty much like interviewing people uh, about the thing that they were obsessed with talking to them about 
you know, what they remember about it, if they think it was like a formative experience or not, uh, and then actually going and revisiting that thing and then talking again after revisiting it about, you know, their their preconceived notions and like kind of uh, answering the questions from the first bit uh, and seeing like what they've pulled from that thing after revisiting it. It's a really cool format. And it's a really good yeah, show. Um, it's, it's great. Totally fits the vibe of the network. Um, I, I would say Stephen and I have both been on it. You did an episode about Matilda recently. I did an episode about Hey Arnold. Um, Perfect. It was awesome. It's really good. It's a really good yeah. show. So you can check that out at 11 again online it's it's really wonderful i mean percy does a great job and all the guests are awesome uh even us but uh, <laughs> what i'll add to that too is that like what's really brilliant about the formula is it's not limited to just like a piece of media but maybe it's like a topic or an event um so yeah. like the exploration of the past in all ways is like really expertly done so definitely give it a listen it's it's an incredible show yeah one thing i really appreciate about it also is like it's not just people our age you know it's not just like a 90s right. throwback show like there are people from like all age groups represented here so like what were you obsessed with in the 60s when you were 11 you know is is a really interesting question you know her, like her younger brother i think is going to be on a future episode who is i think five or six years younger than she is so his things are like pokemon red and blue or sorry the remakes uh fire red and leaf green you know mm, <laughs> like the remakes yeah, of the original yeah. pokemon games are like the thing stuff like that i just i think it's an incredible show and an incredible idea for a show um and it's really great so you can go check that out 11 again.online very excited to have 11 again on the network uh yeah we're growing again baby growing again yeah uh it's worth mentioning also i mean we don't talk about it a lot but like there are other things that we're like trying and like trying to add to the network as well um mm -hmm. some like potential spin-offs from this podcast uh are in the works which is interesting i'm working on like a video show which uh, you know is that a podcast who knows uh but it but you know is another thing steven has an idea that i'm very excited about and we'll see how that goes i don't know there's just like a lot going on um, yeah so yeah i don't know we grow a little bit every year i think and i think next year is looking pretty bright so far so yeah, yeah. i feel like in retrospect this year has been probably our biggest yet for into the aether like it's the first year we've had guests on you know yeah. we, we've like kind of been expanding what we cover as well i wouldn't be surprised if next year is all about the network in terms of the growth happening there you know yeah. and like i mean i'm we'll always grow and experiment with this show but i think that's kind of where the intention is yeah so yeah i don't know stay tuned there it's uh, the worst garbage out online um you can go check it out see uh links to 11 again and uh there's a little question mark button on that website which will lead you to tests which is fun as well so you can <laughs> hear what we're working on um is that where out of the nether is <laughs> yeah it is actually <laughs> oh yeah um I love that. yeah that we did incredible. we did <laughs> i did one like uh fucked up episode that was like uh the like an opposite day spinoff of this podcast called out of the nether uh with with andrea that was i think about reviewing it was about reviewing candy about reviewing silly candy snacks yeah. silly snacks that's what it was that's like the masigno episode of our lineup it's like a virus <laughs> it's great i love you and andrea but it's like yeah you you intro you introduced that episode as a shit post that maybe shouldn't exist <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, that's what we're all about here uh, at <laughs> TWG. Honestly, like to, to yeah to be to be like completely candid about it and, and not getting too into like the like podcasty like behind the scenes side of it, but like just just to mention a little more, the network has always existed in my mind as like a way to just like try out creative ideas, um, you know, kind of free from the burden of like needing to put any kind of like money into the front end. You know, like it doesn't cost anything for. We've already bought the equipment. Hosting is now free because. 
because of things like Anchor. So we can just try things and see if they work and see how everybody responds, which is another reason that we have the Discord, uh, which you can find the link to at theworstgarbage.online. But if you join the Discord, you know, that's where we're like testing stuff out. And it's definitely been happening a little less frequently recently as we've like had our attention pulled elsewhere. But it's a big thing I want to get back into next year because I have a I have a list of podcast ideas that is like about 20 ideas deep um, and I would like to try them. So I guess just stay tuned for that. Yeah, exciting. Uh, all I to say, 11 again, very much worth your time and exciting to add it to the network. Yeah, it's really good. Go check it out. Cool. So Brendan, I hear whispers that you're like all about Souls games these days. You're like, I want to challenge, baby. Yeah. I want to sweat. I want to cry. I want to <laughs> I, I want to sit by a fireplace. I don't know what's happening to me at the moment with this, but I sure have been playing like every souls game simultaneously it's yeah. it started off as me playing demon souls because it had just come out and the ps5 had just come out and then kind of evolved into me saying like okay where does demon souls fit into i would say like the larger landscape of FromSoft souls stuff and and i started playing dark souls 3 and dark souls 2 and dark souls 1 and uh pl- replayed a little bit of bloodborne and started playing Sekiro again and just like trying to kind of ingest all of it and see like okay how does demon souls fit in here Um, like partially for the game of the year episode and just seeing like how I think it's going to rank amongst my own top 10, but also just how I think it fares against everything else. What I'll say about it, I guess, just like on the top level is that it it looks really nice. It's a nice looking video game. But outside of that, I think I have a lot of issues with the with the things that are happening in Demon's Souls mechanically. And they've sanded a lot of those edges off in Dark Souls and everything else going forward from there. Yeah, Um, that's not to say there aren't some like really novel things I think are important and good about Demon's Souls. I think the ability to go to any level at any time is really cool. Uh, Once you beat the first boss, you unlock what people colloquially refer to as like World 2-1, World 3-1, 4-1 and 5-1 all at the same time so you can go visit them and uh, you know either like farm for souls or get items from like the late game and bring them back to the early game things like that um, and it's not it's not only like a thing you can do but it's a thing that it's encouraged that you do um, because it just you know makes the game easier in some instances so yeah I don't know Demon Souls is really interesting I'm enjoying it a lot um, but just like wanted to check that stuff out. And then weirdly enough, alongside of that, I've also been playing a lot of Souls likes simultaneously, which started with me replaying or starting from the beginning uh, Jedi Fallen Order, which is like trying to do some really interesting stuff. That's on Game Pass. I'm playing through Hollow Knight every morning on our Twitch channel at the moment, yeah. which I'm almost done with, which is wild. I like am like really at the end game. I'm just kind of like cleaning stuff up. So I've almost replayed through that entire game, which has been a kind of wild thing. Um, I started playing Kronos before the ashes, which I'm going to talk about a little bit. And I started playing Ashen, which I'm also going to talk about for a little bit. But I, I think the main takeaway that I've had over the past like couple of weeks of either like revisiting these games or checking out this new stuff or new to me, at least, has just been like this idea or this pushback against Souls likes as a genre. And like, what is the difference between it becoming its own genre and people just like lifting aspects of the souls games and like not really doing anything too exciting with them you and i have like a real soft spot for a game called remnant from the ashes um which is a like multiplayer focused which is worth noting it's a multiplayer focused souls like uh that focuses on gunplay more than it does on like sword and shield uh so you have guns and ammo and stuff like that but you're fighting like big you know cthulhu-esque beasts 
Um, and I don't actually want to say too much about that game for fear of like spoiling what is maybe one of the wildest like visual and aesthetic experiences you can have. Uh, it's a great game. I think it's also on Game Pass, actually, now that I think about it. So like go play Remnant if you haven't. Steven and I played through it and loved it. You can actually, I think, go to our YouTube and there's a bunch of like videos of us playing it together. But that game is really, really cool. And I think it's doing a lot of things uh, that you and I kind of want from a game that's inspired by a Souls-like in a lot of instances. Remnant is a game that, that Steven and I love like pretty dearly. I think because of the multiplayer element, like for all the things that I think it lifts from Souls likes without really like asking why it's doing that, which I think are like the kind of more bummer sides of that game. It really lifts itself up based on the ability to play with others. It is so totally. fun to explore that game with a friend. Uh, it's also doing a lot of really interesting stuff where it's like generating the world every time you play it. So it's almost like a roguelike in that way, which is kind of cool. So every time you start the game, it'll like readjust the different worlds in a different order and kind of shuffle things around. So you'll have like different plot beats than your friend. You'll have different items that you're finding than your friend. Um, and that's kind of another incentive to bring someone else into your world. So you can kind of like explore more possibilities of more possible areas. Remnants are really cool thing and i really liked it there is a prequel to remnant that just came out recently for consoles it's called chronos or it was originally called chronos in 2016 when it came out for the oculus rift it was an oculus rift exclusive <laughs> um they have taken that game and then ported it to consoles. So it's available now, I think, for Switch, Xbox, maybe PC also, and and uh, place, the PlayStations 4 and 5. Um, but <laughs> the now series it's called, 4 and 5. Yeah, <laughs> PlayStation Series 4 and 5, yes. Yeah. Um, the game is now called Chronos Before the Ashes and is just like a straight port of the Oculus game. It seems like two consoles. Uh, I have been playing it because I loved Remnant and I wanted to check out Kronos. And I'll I'll say this much right off the bat is like it has a lot of the things I didn't like about Remnant and almost none of the stuff that I did like about Remnant, which is kind yeah. of a bummer. Yeah. Um, but playing through it has really kind of made me ask this question about what is a Souls game or what is a Souls-like game and, and what is like just kind of copy and pasting a bunch of elements from Souls games without really any intentionality. And, and this game... While on the surface seems to be trying to do some things to differentiate itself, I, I think a lot of them don't land in a way that I find to be a bummer. I'm not going to go too into it because like that's not really what the show is about. It's not about like dunking on stuff, but I do think it's worth touching on some of this stuff. Yeah, in I mean, you can be critical in in the guise of a constructive conversation. You yeah, know, you're not like absolutely. eight reasons why this game's stinky. Yeah. You know, like you're, you're actually being thoughtful. That's the thing. I I actually do recommend yeah. that some people play this game if some of the stuff I'm about to talk about sounds appealing, which it will be to some people. When this game came right. out the oculus people really liked it it was really well received um i think partially because like oh my god it's an actual full-scale game that you can play on the oculus rift that yeah. was like made for oculus and like is good but outside of that there are certain elements that i think really work some of the elements that don't work as much are like you're traveling between essentially bonfires i don't know why that's a thing that has to be in every souls like game it has very similar combat to souls games but like doesn't feel as tight yeah and more importantly, I think it's like weirdly easy to like cheese every enemy that you're fighting by just doing a heavy attack over and over again. If you keep doing heavy attacks, you just like stun lock everyone, which is kind of a weird experience to just like be able to fly through every area without really any like actual combat happening. You're just like hitting R2 over and over and over again. There are some things that do work about it, though. They're like the art direction of this game is really cool. It reminds me a lot of Remnant. You're exploring areas that are like completely wild you start off in uh just like in remnant you start off in like kind of the old world right it's this earth 
like post-apocalypse and you're like traversing these old like research facilities and stuff to find these like traveling teleport stones so you can go into like alternate dimensions uh, and check other stuff out and the first area you go into is like this world of rock people um that is like really intricately designed and, and just absolutely gorgeous and has a lore all its own that you can explore and check out and like some really interesting bosses and stuff uh and when you're done with that world you move on to like a forest world uh that has kind of like um like centaurs and stuff uh so like it's really switching between genres in a way that i appreciate uh and and is exactly what i loved about remnant but where it kind of falls flat is that the game is so focused on puzzle elements which is not a thing i was expecting when i started experiencing it i was like this is kind of cool i'm kind of into this you know there's a lot of stuff going on with you find an item and you can like combine items uh in in your inventory to like make certain things so like if you find a handle and like a piece of metal and it looks like they fit together you can try and combine them and like oh wow you have a crank but where does the crank go and then you have to find the place where the crank goes like that kind of stuff is cool where i'm starting to bump against it is like every door i find is locked every pathway i go down has a dead end because there's an item that i don't have it's getting to the point where like almost like hollow knight i have to like go re-explore every single pathway to see which one i actually have the item for or which one i can actually get through which is like really frustrating when you move as slowly as you do and the world isn't as exciting once you've cleared out all the enemies and and there's like really no combat to be had or no challenge to be had it's literally just like going down every hallway over and over again where the game succeeds though is like in the wilder moments like there there's uh this big mirror that i found that has like these glyphs on top of it and i could i could change all the glyphs and like try going through the mirror like you can walk through the mirror and it takes you to different places depending on what uh what glyphs you put in what order and there was this one instance in which i was going through this like big kind of abandoned library and i looked into one of the shelves and i saw a little tiny version of the mirror with some glyphs on it so i ran back to the mirror and i changed the glyphs to match the one on the little tiny mirror and i ended up in the bookshelf and i was like you know the size i was i was tiny i was a little tiny guy running through fighting little toy versions of all the big enemies that i would fight in the normal area and like that stuff is really cool it's the exact stuff that like made remnant rock um yeah but unfortunately, it's just like so bogged down by like the combat not really being up to snuff and the puzzle elements. I, I think like being thought out, but not in a way that's like fun for the player. Like I don't I don't ever feel smart in this game because I figured out how to do something. I only progress because I've tried literally everything I possibly yeah. could. It's like um, a 90s point and click logic. Yeah. yeah. The, the big thing, I think that, uh, that it's the one bullet point that they mention when you when you look at like the store page is that every time you die, you age up a year. Which is really bizarre. So you start off as an 18 year old and then every time you die you age up a year when you're playing this game uh every time you hit a decade so like if you die twice you hit 20 years old every time you hit a decade they present you with three abilities or like three uh three kind of like attribute points that you can throw in um that'll be things like i don't know you gain more experience now you know because you're learning from your deaths more uh so from your age 20 on you gain more experience uh or you just have more base health or you have more base strength things like that on top of that you're getting experience for every enemy that you're killing and that experience just kind of like dark souls in a way uh, allows you to level up your attribute points but those attribute points are boiled down to four which i really really appreciate it's just health strength dexterity and i think arcane is the last one so instead of this big excel spreadsheet of nonsense yeah Yeah, that happens in the fromsoft stuff where like you have to like find what weapon you want to be using and what like stat scales with that weapon and things like that it's like no, no 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 it's very simple just one of these four so you can level them up kind of on a whim at any point the thing is though is that as you 
as you age up, your ability to make use of those stats lessens. So as you get older, your arcane stat becomes more important and your health and strength and dexterity start to decrease. So by the end of the game, I guess, hypothetically, you'll just be like a full magic build and you'll just be using yeah, magic spells the all the time. Yeah. yeah, which is, I guess, an interesting idea. But where I'm bumping up against it, honestly, is this like I went into this game, started to play it and said to myself, this is like the best entry level Souls game. They have sanded off every edge possible. If you're a person who's been interested in this kind of game for a long time, but were like afraid or like daunted by the difficulty um, and just thought that it would be too frustrating. This game is so for you. I think it's really great. Even at the beginning, the first thing they ask you is, do you want to play on casual, normal, or hardcore difficulty? There's an actual difficulty slider here, which I think is great. I'm playing on normal, yeah. which has been fine so far. But you could play on casual if you want and just experience the story and the puzzle solving and all that kind of stuff and probably have a pretty good time. Where I almost wanted to test this because I was so curious, but where I, I'm bumping up against it is like, what happens when you like continue to age? Like, do you just die at a certain point? Like, is there an act? If you have such a hard time with the combat in this game that you become like age 100, does your character just die? And if that happens, you have to start from the beginning. Like, how does that work? I have literally no idea. Wow. Um, so I guess that's kind of my like one big caveat about the aging system is like, while it's interesting to have an evolving build over time, um, and it is weird how like as your character gets older, like I'm playing as uh, like a, a male presenting character, like they have more facial hair as they continue to get older and stuff like they start to actually look older. It's it's really interesting, but I, I just like find it to be uh, off putting at times. Uh, yeah. And I don't it know. It sounds how much... more interesting conceptually than an execution. Yeah. And, and it's really interesting to have played Remnant and then go back and play this thing um, because yeah. it's clear that they've like learned a lot from releasing this thing and that Remnant is like really what they should have made first. So I'm excited for Remnant 2 because that's like on the horizon. But I think this game does land more in uh, where I was curious to get your take on. But I think more in your your realm of like this is a game that's just like borrowing a lot from Souls and not doing enough new to like really stand on its own. Yeah, I, I guess I'd like to kind of go a little bit further into that if you don't mind. So I'm going to uh, Trekkie our own show again, but I think actually a really good episode where you and I talk about like the souls games in general and what they do well is uh sekiro love and daunt which is mm, like yeah when sekiro just came out and we kind of talked about like our experience with the FromSoft games leading up to it but something i've been thinking about as we as you and i have been talking off the show about the souls like genre in general and like where demon souls fits in the FromSoft catalog is like i kind of took a step back and i was like what is the reason these games are so popular you know mm -hmm. like i was really, really trying to figure out and it's not really something you can answer because everyone has their own taste but i was thinking about when dark souls one came out and i feel like dark souls one especially is sort of this cosmic response to mainstream game design at the time i think it was very much the norm to have a game that was very linear that was very um here's where to go next to progress the plot mm -hmm. here's what you need to do and there's nothing wrong about that honestly these days i cherish that i think linear became a bad word in 2010 because <laughs> the open world genre was getting so big yeah and i think that there's kind of this like cosmic event in 2011 where Skyrim and Dark Souls both came out. And Skyrim is a game that will always tell you what to do and where to go, but you can do anything. You mm -hmm. know, it's 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 very much like a you can play this game however you want and you'll be rewarded for it. 
Dark Souls, ironically, is a linear, you need to do this in order to progress game in the guise of an open world game. And I think the reason people were so impressed by it when it came out and it, it became this kind of magical event that people have been trying to capture since is that it's a game where the discovery of what to do is completely organic. And that very delicate design of like, we don't want it to feel like a puzzle where you just have tried everything and then suddenly one thing works and you feel frustrated, but actually a eureka moment where you've either learned a certain skill or a certain style of play that allows you to progress. Right. And there's um, also I, the whole community end in that game, which I think is so important, like the ability to write notes yeah. on the ground and stuff. Um, and like players either leading you to success or your doom just like for fun um is is such a huge aspect of those games i think uh but on top of that there's this like there's this community building element outside of the game of like you should go on the internet and google things you should read walkthroughs you should read like game facts it it kind of harkens back to this like nostalgic era of of rpgs from like ps1 and and 64 days um which i think is really interesting as well it feels a lot of times mechanically or sorry from a design standpoint like a ps1 game that just like magically came out on the next generation after that (laughs) i think that's apps yeah and i think too in terms of the story is like just like the mechanics are like kind of up to you to figure out and there's like a very soft sense of direction same with the story and the atmosphere so yeah. I think there's something really empowering, especially for the first time, having a game that is brave enough in its design to let you figure it out. Yeah. And I think that's what I like about those games. It's not that it's excruciatingly difficult. It's not that things are named cryptically or that the <laughs> menu goes, boah, when you select something or that there's fog. I am baffled by the fact that someone can play Dark Souls and be like, I want to I'm so inspired by this. I want to make a game where you roll a lot and there's fog. It's like, why is that? Why are those the two? And that's, that's where I bump up against it. I think like it has now become popular enough that you can say your game is a souls like, and there will be interest in it. And that's great. I think like, the fact that a game that was this brave in its design that was not mainstream in any way has become mainstream is interesting. And I do think that the main line from soft games have been further experimenting with the formula. Like Sekiro, weirdly, is way more mainstream in a lot of its design, which was experimental for that series to do. You know, Sekiro was like, what if we actually had a story that was happening while you were playing? What if we were a little bit kinder with like the checkpoints in the game? So even if it has this level level of difficulty that is tough like the game is is really training you to play and giving you a chance to fail whereas maybe in dark souls or demon souls there was more of the like esoteric i have to now walk three miles to get back to where i got my ass kicked yeah um (laughs) you know in sekiro like pretty much every boss with a few exceptions has a checkpoint right before it so i think that like I love that a lot of game designers want to take what that series has done well and, and use that uh, as like the foundation of the game. Hollow Knight is a great example of a Souls-like yes. that is very much its own thing. And it's because that game is taking from so many different genres and doing its own twist on them that it doesn't feel derivative. You yeah. know, it's a Metroidvania with Souls-like elements. And I think Metroidvania is a good genre to bring up. It's a genre named after two games. So in that it shares kind of like the laser focus of a Souls-like. But you can play a lot of Metroidvanias that don't feel like they're copied and pasted from each other because 
what is that genre if not just a 2D overworld? And what can you do within that? Yeah. The possibilities are endless. Right. It's, so it's I think, literally just about exploring a map, backtracking a little bit to use new abilities that you found to find access, find and access new areas. And the the amount of permutations of that that we've seen that are successful, you know, outside of just Metroid and Castlevania. Yeah. Incredible. Games like Axiom Verge or Ori, which you're playing the new one. Yeah. Um, things like that have like really kind of nailed that. And I think Hollow Knight totally. literally nails it in a lot of instances. <laughs> uh, nice. But, uh, but also pulls from or pulls the best parts of the Souls-like genre into it, right? That game, the focus in the development of Hollow Knight was on creating a world that's like uh, fun and and uh, satisfying to get lost in and to explore, yeah. which is why you don't mind backtracking. It's why you don't mind going right. around and exploring and talking to Cornifer and buying the map from him. So finally, you can have an idea of where you are in this gigantic place that uh, is just filled with like little bits of like satisfying lore and learning more about where you are and where you the player came from that game just kind of like takes i think the metroidvania stuff to its logical conclusion by making the place so difficult to traverse at times that that you kind of like need the ability to uh like run through the same area over and over and over again so you can paint like a mental picture of what it is you you have to learn the ins and outs of that for yourself i'm not even talking about like the combat side of it i just mean the actual exploration of the world and and your own mastery of it comes from you being there as much as you possibly can and running through the same passageways over and over again until you know intuitively okay fog canyon connects to queen's gardens through this way um and i need to get to fog canyon or something like that the setting feels very alive as well you know i mean i think like a a small example it's a small spoiler but it happens early on is when you go to the the Mantis Lord hideout right away. The Manti are like enemies that are clearly more sentient. Like usually you'll come across a bug that has like a mushroom on its head and it's like, huh? You know, and you're like, okay, yeah. this is maybe <laughs> a, a, an echo of their former self. But when you meet the Manti, they're like agile and they're like knights basically. Yeah. And when you beat the Mantis Lords, when you go back there, they all bow to you. Right. So like little stuff like that, that I think the Souls games kind of do that Hollow Knight went all in on. Like the ensemble of NPCs and the rewards for going back to characters are so much greater in Hollow Knight. And then actually by extension, Sekiro as well. Like that to me is what I like about the series. And you can always like, it's subjective what you pull from Dark Souls. I just have to roll my eyes on when people think it's the fireplaces and the fog. Like, that is that is so not what you should be taking from this, you know, and it right. just feels like I don't know. I just I don't want to mock it too much because I think at a certain point, all inspiration begins as like literally copying things, even if it's subconscious. But, you know, because like Dark Souls is kind of like trendy to ape now, it's just frustrating that like the things that should be influential, such as like an ensemble that you gradually get to learn over time, a setting that you endear yourself to that changes, yeah, you know, a loose sense of direction that rewards you for finally figuring it out and not rolling a lot. Right. Yeah. I I think that's a really good way to distill it. I think, you know, if if the souls franchise for the most part is about persistence in combat, what hollow Knight does so well is that it kind of deviates from that and says, what if it was about persistence and exploration, you know, persistence about learning the place, which I I think is really strong. And I think, you know, although there are the elements of like 
combat is difficult. It's still a 2D game, so the combat works in a completely different way. You're not dodge rolling constantly. You know, you don't even yeah. get the ability to like dash or dash through enemies and have invincibility frames until like your last five hours of that game. Um, yeah. It really is about like learning and mastering that version of combat. And even and it's though kind it's of a still- Mega Man vibe in that way, where it's like Absolutely. very simple mechanics that you can master easily. Yeah. Um, or over time. And and even though it pulls like a, a bonfire adjacent thing with the benches, you kind of need that. You need the ability to like fast travel around. You need the ability to like sit and take a break and like kind of explore the map on your own and just like sit there and look at it and see where to go next and what you think should happen next. You know, the, the elements that they pull from Dark Souls uh, are, are done so tastefully and so well that it doesn't feel like they're copying in any capacity, really. Um, no. And even Remnant, a game that you and I love has essentially bonfires via those world stones it has fog doors before big bosses and like that stuff is not why remnant is fun you know right (laughs) yeah exactly uh and like you can have checkpoints but that's that's not derivative in any way yeah it's just yeah it's just it's just the minor details that like feel like the wrong lessons were learned sometimes with a lot of souls like so you've been also playing a couple other souls like games that you also think might have nailed it a little bit better than maybe chronos has yeah yeah so so hollow knight is is the big one i think but this the other one that came out in 2018 that like you and i totally missed out on and i've kind of like had on the back burner and wanted to check out for a long time and like finally pulled the trigger because i was kind of formulating these thoughts on souls likes um and i was like ah why not let's go check it out is uh ashen an annapurna interactive published game oh uh, the ashen wolves the fourth house of, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's the, D- yeah, yes, the dlc for uh, fire emblem three houses uh is yeah. weirdly enough a souls like um, who would have thunk it? Now, I'm um, a happy main, so you know. Uh. <laughs> uh, this is by uh, A A44 Games, I believe is is the name of the uh, developer, and then published by Annapurna Interactive. Um, Ashen is a game that came out in 2018. Um, is now available, I think, on pretty much every platform as well. So like, yeah. you can go pick it up on Switch, which I, I've seen some stuff about this running really well on Switch. So like, if you have it for Switch, I would probably recommend it. The only reason I got it on Xbox is I just wanted to see it in you know glorious 4K. But anyway, I'm, I'm playing this game and immediately, like within the first like five to 10 minutes, I was like, this is a game that I really should have played in 2018 and, and should have been the kind of game that you and I were referencing literally all the time. You in particular, I think, would love what this game is doing with, with the Souls-like genre. I think particularly because it like does almost exactly what Hollow Knight does. So it's taking Souls combat you know, kind of like a loose version of Souls Combat and marrying it with like an open world RPG game, which honestly sounds a lot like what the next FromSoft game is. Elden Ring yeah, is the next game in yeah. development, which is like a George R. R. Martin written uh, FromSoft Souls-like in like a dark fantasy world uh, that is an open world exploration game. Like you're hopping on a horse and riding around and, you know, going and doing quests, I guess, and stuff like that. Uh, but has Souls Combat in it. Ashen did this a couple of years ago, um, which I'm I'm constantly blown away by. So like, the Souls combat, it's fine. You know, it's it's what you'd expect. You're you you have light weapons and heavy weapons, and you got a shield and one arm and, and a sword or not even a sword actually. There are no swords in this game, only axes and maces. Uh, but you got an axe in the other arm. Uh, you're doing light attacks. You're doing heavy attacks. You're like backstepping, dodging out of the way. It's all that stuff. But what this game really fucking nails is <laughs> swords. <laughs> I just love that detail. Yeah what, yeah. what if that was the one bullet point? It was like it's a Souls like, but no swords this time. No so, swords oh, this shit. time. Oh hell yeah. 
Yeah. Give um, me a, a blunt weapon, please. What this game nails is tone and and, and vibe. Uh, what, yeah. what this game nails is having a world that is so gorgeous that you want to explore it and you want to take the time to go check it out. I, I think that this game, uh, while, you know, it, it has kind of like a Souls adjacent lore going on, you know, where like people sit there and they talk about, you know, nouns that are capitalized for reasons that I can't explain. Um, <laughs> oh, you know, the Moth Prince. Yeah. It, I haven't seen him much, but I don't remember much these days. Exactly. Yeah, they keep referring to the bird. Oh, B. have you seen the bird? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, you're new here. Have you seen the bird? It it is it is that vibe, honestly. Um, and, yeah. and like that stuff doesn't really appeal to me as much as like I am going out into this world uh, and and just kind of like seeing what's around every corner. Uh, there are a bunch of like pickups and collectibles all over the place. There are a ton of weapons to pick up. There's so much stuff to find. Um, yeah. But this game kind of like I think boils down some of the Souls stuff into a more palatable way, almost the way Kronos does. But I think with an even more streamlined approach where like when you finish a quest, your health or stamina gets increased. So you're not even like. So you don't age 10 years. You don't age 10 years. You're not. Yeah. Every, <laughs> you're not like even leveling up stats like via, you know, saving up a currency and then investing them in those stats like it just happens kind of passively as you go around you can find these feathers in the world um that allow you to also level up your health or stamina or other stats which is really wonderful Um, that's awesome but one of the bigger things i think that this game does uh almost like remnant which is kind of funny because i think same year or maybe the year before it's multiplayer after but uh, ashen was like right at the end of 2018 it's no wonder we missed it yeah it was like it was a december like 18th game or something um but but anyway, it, it's a multiplayer game. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So when you're playing single player, you have an AI companion that's like traveling along with you, uh, which already makes it feel like way less intimidating to go out into the world by yourself and like explore shit. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of this game is literally just about poking at the edges of the world like Hollow Knight and seeing what's around every corner and like, oh, my God, there's a cave here. Let me go explore this cave. And like two hours later, you've come out and you're like, wow, I fucking rule now stuff like that which is really wonderful and having somebody with you to do that that you know allows you in you know like a FromSoft game where you're pulling someone into the world and like oh thank god i have someone else to like take the aggro on this boss so i can attack them from behind or something that's happening in all combat at all times uh in ashen which is really nice especially considering they're throwing so many enemies at you at once in a lot of instances you know you'll be yeah. fighting three or four guys at the same time so having somebody else there really helps what's really cool about it is that you're just like in journey you're persistently connected to the internet as you're playing it Mm. so at any point somebody else could just inhabit the body of your ai companion and when they're playing they just see themselves they see the character that they created and to them you are the ai companion and this just happens seamlessly in and out where like your ai companion will just be kind of like inhabited by another player who's also going through the world at the same time which is really really cool it's a really interesting system. I personally, on my end, have turned off the ability to play multiplayer. I just have an AI companion uh, because I have found that every once in a while somebody will come in and inhabit my world and then just be like, oh, OK, I'm going to fuck off and do this thing. It's like, OK, well, OK, <laughs> you're not we're, we're, like we're not even going for the same quest or anything. They just like leave. It's like, OK, now I'm just by myself. I want to see the bird. Like, oh, fine, yeah, I whatever. just I just can't deal with it. So I, I, I just turn that off. But uh, if you pick up this game at any point, I would love to play it with you or 
something like that. Cause I, I think, oh, yeah. I think it's really incredible. No, it sounds rad, man. I mean, you know, you know us in Annapurna, it's an instant sell. Yeah. And two, I think, um, someone thinking about when you said AI companion, uh, another souls like that did that was actually uh code vein, which like extremely silly game. It does some cool stuff, but it's like very goofy. Yeah. But the idea of having like a permanent, like, okay, which NPC do you want with you on this adventure is a cool concept. Yeah. It kind of reminds me, it's something that I, I, I'm going to put it out into the universe. Hey, if you want to make a game and take a cool mechanic and build something around it, look no further than you guessed it, Dragon's Dogma Dark Arisen. The <laughs> pawn system, which yes. I know is hard to pull off, but the pawn system is such a cool way to make a really, really like brutally difficult world more parsable when you have like ai npcs who like learn and remember and will help you yes on quests i mean it's kind of oblivion in that game where they're like if you're tired go to bed and it's like this is nothing that i needed to hear <laughs> but they'll also like during quests they'll be like oh i know a shortcut and they'll run off and do it so like right yeah if you so specifically i guess just to drill down on that for those of you who don't sure. know about dragon's dogma because it's been a long time since we talked about it but hey uh, 88 of the audience in case you don't know what dragon's dogma is uh you when you hire pawns quote unquote you're like going into this like weird ethereal realm and you're hiring pawns from other players like other people who have like played through dragon sogma put their pawns up to get hired um and if you if you hire someone who has done the quest that you're about to do they will just lead you through it which is the fucking best it's so nice uh because that game is so huge it's so gigantic that you almost need something like that you need a guiding force and it allows you to play a a souls like or like a game inspired by soul stuff and also kind of like an open world bethesda game without the need to go on game facts or do whatever because the game itself is helping you in those instances it's like uh, the one nice olive branch dragon zogma gives you yeah and i think that there's such a void for that with a souls like game you know like uh, obviously you can summon solaire and you can summon alfred and in bloodborne they like help you out for a fight but like something i i do in like every other playthrough of skyrim is i'll get a follower and like really invest in them Mm. and it really changes the whole dynamic of the game and like that's something i also really enjoyed about outer worlds you know and and there was a heavy focus on that with that game where like you have these companions who like have their thoughts about what's going on and, and offer their perspective and their strengths and and like that could be so cool in a game as daunting as as you know and i think in traditional souls formula maybe even play with that maybe they'll turn on you you know something like that like there's a lot totally. of stuff you can do with it like in dark souls 3 um and it seems to be like in the more modern like bloodborne on there's always like a home base full of characters who have plots play out so mm-hmm. like in bloodborne it's the cathedral and dark souls 3 it's the firelink shrine and in sekiro it's largely the temple and then it turns into the castle later yeah um but like it would be so cool to be like hey like uh you know uh hanbei you want to come with me you know i just think that would be really fun okay Um, so taking it back to ashen (laughs) sorry yeah but i just that awoken a a desire in me that i needed to express i'm about to fulfill your every desire and wish (laughs) (laughs) taking it back to ashen i think that the the one thing i really wanted to highlight about this game i think the most interesting thing about the whole game is that when you start the game it's you and this other guy uh, and and you kind of are escaping this cave. You know, it's been like dark and horrifying for so long. And suddenly uh, the Ashen, capital A, wakes up and starts bringing light back into the world. You know, it's like a post-apocalypse world um, that has this kind of dichotomy between light and dark that happens every like age or so. Um, and you're entering an age of light again. But what that means is that you have to cast out the darkness that's around. So that's like from a lore perspective, what you're trying to do is just like wipe out the last remaining dark so you can have like another like bright, optimistic age 
cage. Um, so you exit this cave, you know, you and a bunch of people, and you find this place called the Vagrant's Rest, which is just like a nice plateau that like has a bunch of ruins on it and seems like a nice place to like start a home. So that is your home base in this game. Uh, and as you're continuing to play, you're picking up quests from the people in Vagrant's Rest and going out into the world and bringing more people back who have more to offer to the community. And every time you go out and find a person or complete a quest and come back, Vagrant's Rest has been built up more. There's scaffolding in more places. There are houses now. There are even more people who have showed up and, and merchants and and uh, and and like uh, different kinds of places where you can go upgrade your materials or have access to new things and abilities and items and stuff like that. Um, it feels like an ever-growing place just because you're going out into the world and putting the time and effort into exploring it. And it really harkens back to the thing that I love so much, the thing that really stuck out to me about Breath of the Wild. Ter- I was thinking Terrytown this whole time. It's Terrytown. Yeah. Yes, yes. It's Terrytown. It, it, it Every is, game needs a Terrytown. I totally to be agree. A true game. And this is just Terrytown as a whole video game, essentially. Yeah. The, the concept is, you know, it, it, again, talking thematically about the thing that I loved about Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild is a game that takes place 100 years after the apocalypse and everybody is like kind of doing all right because of like the overwhelming sense of community and, and, and uh, the, the welcoming of others into your home and things like that. The world of Hyrule in Breath of the Wild is a place that like is beautiful and has been claimed by the darkness, but is weirdly optimistic and hopeful at times. And that is what Ashen is trying to accomplish. Ashen is doing the Mm. exact same thing. And the dialogue even like, I I won't, I don't remember any of the dialogue literally, but like a lot of the dialogue from the, uh, the villagers in Vagrant's Rest kind of like go to confirm that a lot of it is about like, yeah, if we work together, we can build this place up and like make a new life for ourselves. So we're not just like living in caves and stuff anymore in fear. Like we're building something new. We're building a new uh, city for that, that is welcome to everybody. And that kind of sense of like community and belonging and, and, and like ownership over the future, I think is really, really beautiful. And one of the things that makes me love playing Ashen so much is because every time I go and do a quest, I'm so excited to go back to Vagrant's Rest and see what's going on there and see who has showed up. Uh, When when I go out and I find somebody who's like, you know, a a kind of medicinal healer uh, and I bring her back to Vagrant's Rest, like suddenly everybody's kind of in more high spirits now because, hey, guess what? You have a fucking doctor here now. Uh, It's great. It's incredible. It, It changes the livelihood of everybody who's living there. Um, and that kind of stuff is just happening over and over and over and over again. And the further you explore from Vagrant's Rest, the more people you can bring back and the more kinds of people you can bring back. And it becomes this like really beautiful, diverse community that I just like love being in. And and like just to highlight this fact, I haven't mentioned any of the soul shit in that game at all right. in like 10 minutes. I was minutes. about to say, yeah. And that's that's the beauty of it is it's yeah. using it's using that kind of blueprint as a jumping off point and not as like the end it's identity yes exactly yeah that Um, sounds amazing i definitely want to pick that up and maybe we can revisit it um but like you've sold me on that completely it sounds great yeah it's so good i'll I'll say this much like if if you're listening to this and you're like i want to check this out i'll say like the first hour or two is not like super compelling but when you start to build up vagrant's rest and you explore into the second area and the third area is really when that game takes off so um, if you pick it up and you're like, I'm not so sure about this within the first like hour or so, like just give it a little bit more. And I promise you, it's really going to sink its hooks into you. That's awesome. It's really, really good. Um, yeah, I, I can't I can't really recommend it highly enough. Uh, as with all Annapurna stuff I found, I, I'm just on this like God quest to play every Annapurna game pretty much at this point. <laughs> yeah. And Ashen felt right for this time and place. So I'm probably going to play a lot more of it. I've been streaming it a little bit as uh, like my before bed game. I play like a, a half hour to an hour of it every night before I go to sleep because weirdly it is like a low key 
Souls game. And and uh, I, I think it's been fitting into that schedule for me really well. So, yeah, that's awesome. But that's I do think cool. I do think like that and Hollow Knight and weirdly to a certain extent. And I know some people would push back against this, but Jedi Fallen Order, I think, are all games that take ideas from the Souls genre and like kind of mash them into something that is far and away beyond that you know like yeah uh, just to drill down and fall in order real quick i guess like that is a game that makes sense to have souls combat because you're a fucking jedi you know like you're going around you have a goddamn lightsaber and the force like it's cool uh and and you're also you're not a great jedi you've only been trained a little bit so it makes sense that a lot of that stuff is difficult but at the same time you know they're telling an incredible star wars story you're exploring a bunch of like new and interesting planets uh and it has that metroidvania kind of exploration it works in that game i think better than uh, things like Kronos, for example, which I, I, yeah. I hate to keep dunking on because, again, I do think there, no, there's a lot of merit in that game. And I think yeah. I, I'm probably going to maybe keep playing it a little bit more. But after playing things like Ashen, it's like, man, there there is I think like if you if you want the Souls like genre to actually become a genre and not just be yes, beholden to from soft stuff like you really need to interrogate why you're taking those elements from that game. Yeah. You know? And there's a lot of stuff to take. I mean, on on the complete opposite you know if ashen is a game that is kind of like using the formula to really dive deeper into the idea of setting an ensemble and building an environment within that neo 2 is a game that we talked about at the very start of the year <laughs> yeah that is completely about the combat you know they right. have you know it's made by team ninja and i think tecmo koe if i'm not yes. mistaken but like they're going full out on the like warriors fighting game dna within a soul setting and i thought it was a lot of fun you know it's, it's extremely unrelentlessly video gamey in a way that mm-hmm. does not like aid a sense of wonder or place at all <laughs> but yeah. It's like really gripping for anyone who has an interest in like fighting games or like mastering combos or like, you know, pulling off attacks in a way that's very gratifying. I had a lot of fun with that game. And that's like an example of a Souls that doesn't feel derivative as much as it does just like and that is also I think Neo 1 which I still haven't played was like the first big Souls like that people were talking about if memory yeah. serves yeah so very much yeah absolutely yeah. I think I think like I don't know I just think the the future for that as a genre is bright if games like Ashen and Hollow Knight keep coming along yes. and Remnant even to a certain extent I mean Remnant 2 is in development and is going to come out and like will probably be another game that you and I check out and enjoy if it pulls a lot of the learnings from Remnant into you know whatever they work on next yeah i hope just to be clear too like with remnant i think the things that really worked for you and i were the co-op obviously i thought that the weapons were a lot of fun you know like it wasn't just like here's an assault rifle it's like here's a pistol that shoots bouncing plasma you know kind of had like yeah almost doom dna there like they had fun with like the absurdity of it and just the like it felt like no one said no to an idea for that yes. game and it so, works like, you just, the fact that it yeah. works yeah. yeah but i don't know if they're like there's a lot of stuff too it's like whenever you die there's a quote from nietzsche and it's like why is this happening or you know it's like shakespeare buddha and nietzsche quotes thrown at you when you yeah. die it feels like camp you know it feels it feels yeah. like a camp version of dark souls and i think that's the point that i wanted to make yes yes it does yeah i think that's the point that i wanted to make on top of all of this is like it doesn't have to be dark 
fantasy. It doesn't have to be dark medieval fantasy. It doesn't have to be a sword and shield. You can have a lot of these elements and explore new genres uh, from like um, for, from like a setting perspective. Like, where is my far future sci-fi version of Dark Souls? You know? Um, yeah. I, I Give me a Jane Austen dating sim with Souls mechanics. Like, that would be great. Why not? You know? You know? Like, yeah. Just live a little. Like, go for it. And I honestly think that FromSoft is starting to experience that themselves in a lot of instances, right? Like, Bloodborne, I think, was an experiment in that direction. Sekiro is an experiment as well yeah and i it seems like elden ring might be a step backwards but they're exploring so much more mechanically uh that that it kind of doesn't matter that it's you know dark fantasy anymore so yeah i don't know i'm just really interested to see like what other games pull inspiration from dark souls i think in the future and if every once in a while we get a thing like hollow knight or ashen or like silk song which is coming soon potentially then I, I think I think the future is bright for that as a genre. And I would like I think my my end goal there is to not have the conversation about is it a genre anymore or not? You know, like I don't like a, a, as interesting as it is to play all of this stuff now and like ask that question. It'll be really cool. And we don't have to ask that question anymore. I totally agree. And that's where my frustration comes is like you said earlier that you want it to be a genre and not like just because it's hot right now, the same way yeah. that like 8 million Fortnite clones are. Like, I don't want this to be like a Fortnite clone yeah. zone, you right. know? Yeah. Like truly, I would love, like, is, sound like a bit, give me a Jane Austen dating sim with Souls mechanics. Like, I think <laughs> you can be as creative as you want with it yes. because there's, it's not beholden to Sword and Shield Dark Fantasy, like you said. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Cool. Ashen. We're right. We get it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's take a break and then talk about what you're playing. Sounds good. Goodbye. See you soon. I'm the destroyer of segments, just real quick. I feel like I <laughs> say something like, okay, now it's time to actually stop. <laughs> it's good, though. It's helpful, believe it or not. It's not a bad thing. You need to, you know, harvest the crops to grow new. Absolutely. I just found a bag of, a small bag of corn in Kronos before the ashes. <laughs> uh, and it was like, it's not enough corn to be usable for farming. And I was like, what the fuck does this mean? <laughs> Here's the thing. Like, I love items like that. Like, Nino Kuni, you drink iced coffee to replace replenish your mana which yeah. is like give me more of that i love that but this is it's an so item i'm fun. supposed to use like as a puzzle solving <laughs> element oh shit like yeah, when, when i'm know. when i go up to a door and i open up my inventory to see what i can use to open the door the bag of corn is an option <laughs> bag of corn door that won't open monster dreams <laughs> okay let's take a break yes goodbye steven you're playing uh, a few games simultaneously yeah. and i really want to hear about that there's one in particular that i'm like really excited to hear about the other Ooh. one i've never even heard of and the third one is yakuza <laughs> which you wanted to give a quick update on <laughs> yeah so uh, just for full context right now I'm, I'm fully in uh gearing up for game of the year mode um so that means i'm playing a lot of games that i've deemed or not deemed but that i've I've decided that I really want to finish before I can properly rank. I've said this many times. I, I'm not one who needs to finish everything I pick up, nor is that even possible for the show. But for a game that I'm really enjoying the story, like Yakuza, I'm like, okay, I want to see this through to the end because like, I know it's going to pay off and it already is. I'm on yeah. the last chapter and like that game does kind of bump into like, uh, ironically, Dragon Quest issues of like needing to grind to progress, which is not maybe something I have experienced with Dragon Quest, but definitely have experienced with RPGs in general. 
Yeah. But the story is is winding up in a way that's very exciting. So uh, and from what I know, I, I've, I've heard the finale of that game is like very worth it. So very excited for that. Nice. Everything else, I'm just sort of trying to put more time into games that we've already covered or talked about to like get a very fresh perspective on. And and this is what I always look forward to doing this time of year. I'm looking for games that I might have missed or maybe that went under the radar that I can get some time with before yeah. we decide what's on the list. So I, I actually tweeted out like, hey, what are games you think were kind of like underrated this year? Maybe got lost in the in the hype of other games. And a big one was Umarangi Generation, which I sadly can't play yet. It's only on PC right now. I've got a Mac, as you know. And I love my Mac, but I can't play Umarangi Generation, okay? But it's coming out for Switch later this year, which was set in September. So that means it could either come out on Switch this month or it can come out early next year, maybe later. Who knows? There hasn't really been a lot of updates on that. But that game looks super cool. I know I would love a game like that. It's basically like photo mode jet set radio. So you're in like a very dystopian cyberpunk future, but it's all about being a photographer and capturing those moments. Oh my God. Uh, Yeah. Was it made for me? Yes. (laughs) It's just something that I really want to experience because it's so upper alley and especially up your alley, given that it's photo mode, the game. And I think it's something that like, just the idea of, you know, going back to Kojima's whole thing of like stick versus rope, like mm. what is the yeah. central tool of a gameplay? I think making a camera the central function is a very interesting idea. Totally. So that's something that I really want to check out. If all if all stars align that comes out on Switch before we record, uh, right now it's looking like we might be recording our Goody episode this coming weekend. This comes out on Wednesday. Um, we may be recording on the 13th. If not, it will be the next week. So so expect the Goatee episode in the next two weeks, basically. Yeah. And it's possible so. there are a couple of games coming out before the end of the year that we want to check out. We even we just noticed that Call of the Sea is like one of the first big like next gen Xbox exclusives that's coming out um, yeah. in two days after our recording this episode. So, like, <laughs> so it will have already come out yesterday. Yeah. So there's just like a lot on the horizon. The Game Awards might have some announcements. Who knows? Um, but yeah, anyway, that, that that's how we're basing that stuff on. Uh, at the moment, Umarangi Generation is a thing that I just keep hearing about. And now that you've said all of that, I really want to play. But like, it's just a bummer that it's only on PC at the moment. And I'm glad it'll be on other consoles. It kind of sounds like Return of the Oberdin, which was like our big, yeah. like, you know, kind of missing link game from the previous year uh, that we like, I think both noted in the Goatee episode. Like if we had played Return of the Oberdin, like maybe it would have made the list or um, same with Disco Elysium. Last Disco year. Elysium as well, yeah. which is also coming to consoles, I think, next year. So, yeah, I just imagine when Umarangi Generation comes out on consoles, we'll be able to get our hands on it and probably have a great time. And who knows? Maybe we'll even argue about if it's worth being on the 2021 Goatee list <laughs> because yeah. it got released on consoles. Works for me. I mean, I think we we always want our Goatee list to be kind of set in stone to add to the ceremony. But, you know, we can always do a retroactive thing if it comes out later. I mean, oh, you're, you're saying change the list. There was a time when we first started doing the show, I had this idea of if we ever looked like, because, you know, I like when we look back on the list of the year before Mm. and kind of briefly comment on it. At first, I was like, maybe if we feel really strongly, we can change the list. But I actually don't know if I like that idea. (laughs) I kind of like committing to it, you know, and then we could comment on it. Maybe we could be like, okay, like now that a year has passed, maybe I would put things a little bit differently. But I like it kind of being set, unless you feel otherwise. But I'll be very um, interested to see 
when you finally finish playing God of War before God of War 2 comes out <laughs> next year, if you go back and retroactively change your 2018 list while I go back and add Ashen. I just that it just opens up too many floodgates for me. You know, I like <laughs> it being a, a fine. I don't want to be an originalist for Godi, you know, doctrines, but mm-hmm. I just feel like it should be set in stone a little bit, you know? Okay. Yeah, that's fine by me. Anyway, all that aside, uh, I have been checking out a few games that I have had my eye on for a while um, or that I just discovered recently. Um, I'm excited to hear which one you are more excited to hear about. So I'll just, you know, 50-50 chance. Uh, one of the games is Sakuna of Rice and Ruin. Yeah, that's one I've had my eye on for a long time and I'm yeah. really excited to hear about because I know literally nothing about it outside of the <laughs> screenshots I've seen on the eShop, uh, which honestly do not do a very good job of telling me what kind of game it is. Yeah, uh, but I've heard a lot of really good things. It sold really, really, really well right when it came out, uh, specifically in Japan, was like the top selling mm. game on the eShop. So I'm excited to hear what it is and how it is. And like, should I be playing it for Goatee Season potentially? So please lay it on me, my friend. Yeah, I'll, I'll frame up both of the games I'm going to talk about are like very uh, unique in in their exploration of genre and are absolutely worth checking out. Uh oh. But yeah, uh, Sasakuna of Rice and Ruin. Um, I saw like a, a again just like what the game looked like. I think at one of the Nintendo directs. Um, they announced it a while ago. It's been in my calendar. Whenever we watch a direct or any kind of announcement, and a game catches my eye, I'll put the date of release in my calendar. Sasakuna has been, it came out last month, towards the end of last month. Yeah. It has big Okami vibes. Um, It's set in kind of like a feudal era Japan where there are are sort of gods and demons that exist alongside humanity, but it's in a very kind of colorful and cartoony um, style. And the game is about uh, this goddess who is the daughter of the god of the goddess of the harvest and the god of like war, I think, basically, or like oh, combat, okay. <laughs> uh, which leads into uh, her. Titan and Farman, the two Fs. Yeah, we'll get into that. So yeah. basically, it begins. She's like incredibly spoiled. Um, there's like every year, there's this annual event where the gods all bring like a dish they made. And she's like, I'm the daughter of the goddess of the harvest. Like, I don't need to do anything. Yeah. I've got amazing rice right here. She's <laughs> drunk. Like, she's really spoiled. And yeah. a group of mortals, a group of like common you know common folk manage to sneak into the god of the realms and start eating all the food and she's like yeah you guys can come in whatever i don't care so they start eating but there's like chaos ensues and uh they end up lighting a building on fire by accident it just it's just a mess and the head goddess is like uh sakana like you fucked up you're banished like Mm. go with these humans back to the mortal realm and like get your life together um so she has to go back with them uh with like her kind of spirit companion and basically the game is her living with these humans kind of trying to get on a better path uh and it is half her in this new island region uh, fighting demons in like a left to right beat em up game kind of action RPG. And the other half is a farming sim where kind of like Terrytown, you have found this corner of the mountain to live on and settle in. And because she has these powers of the goddess of the harvest, she's slowly learning how to do like the manual labor of farming. Yeah. Um, so she's working with these humans to like kind of rebuild and reclaim a setting from darkness and also kind of like better herself and her life and get like a better point of view about the world. 
So it's really fun. It's a really, it's, the writing is very silly and, and cartoony and um, it takes a while to get going. Like it's a little bit long in the beginning. Like that whole cutscene I summed up is like maybe 20 minutes. It's like, oh, okay. Oh, but just once, like Okami. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But once you get to, uh, it's really, because like the first thing that happens is you fighting demons, which is, you know, in the left to right point of view. And it's in kind of like a two and a half D uh, presentation. So like it's 3D, but on this left to right grid. And you've got very classic stuff like light attack, heavy attack. You've got kind of a grappling hook thing. You do unlock more abilities as the game goes on. And I will say in the very beginning, the combat feels a little stiff. Like I wasn't sure how much I liked it. It gets significantly better the more you play. Uh, Once you have a little bit more versatility and once the game kind of opens up a bit more, it feels much more fun to do that section of the game. But kind of akin to Moonlighter, I think the star of the game is the other half, Mm. uh, is the farming sim where... It's a really in the weeds farming sim where like it tells you the exact degree of the weather outside. (laughs) You have to kind of manually like let the water into the rice fields and like actually physically plant each seed, which sounds like a lot. But I think that there's a certain kind of player who really loves that kind of approach to a farming sim. Yeah, because there are so many now, you know, you've got your Stardew Valleys and even Animal Crossing to an extent. You got uh, a farming simulator. You've got farming simulator. so this game, I think, is kind of a fresh approach to it in that, you know, it's very much more like Death Stranding levels of detail where it's like you can like zero in on a single thing of rice you planted in Sakano be like, hmm, maybe it's a little bit too close or maybe I can let a little bit more water in for this. Wild. And what's fun is that the things you grow help you fight demons and the things you get from fighting demons help you plant more stuff. So both sides of the game are kind of helping the other one grow. Yeah. And the game feels like it was a cult hit on the GameCube. Like that's the, that's like my (laughs) elevator pitch, whatever that means to you. Yeah. That's like how I feel about the game. It's really lovely. Like the, the style of the presentation and like the way the light hits the water and the rice field. Like it's a really pretty game and it just like really nice and fun. Like it's a very lighthearted game that might be fun for winter, you know, as like the days are shorter and you're inside more like this is a very kind of chill game to put on to like beat up some rabbit demons and then plant some flowers and rice. Like, yeah, I like the hook of it a lot. I like the flow of it. It's a little bit. Um, I struggled in the beginning to like really know what to do as long as the intro is, they don't really tell you like how to use all the things to your advantage. But there's also a lot of beauty in just kind of finding that out as you go. I was about to say, like, is that part of it? Is it, Do you think that part of it from a game design perspective is you learning it yourself the way that she is kind so. of learning it for herself? Yeah, because she's someone who's kind of been so spoiled her whole life that kind of just being like let loose on a farm that she has to make work for herself right. and for others, it kind of aids the narrative in that way. So yeah, I think, um, I think it works. And I think like it's just a very fun setting to be in. Like the music's great. The, the art's great. You find different equipment. So like you'll have different kind of hats and like uh, I have this giant broom that I hit rabbits with now it's great it's a good time <laughs> um, I would recommend it it's, it's on switch it's a really 
it's a really fun time, especially if you're into uh, farming sims and want like kind of a fresh take on that genre. I think you'll enjoy it a lot. Yeah, it sounds really interesting. I really do appreciate that kind of like uh, dichotomy between uh, gameplay styles, right? Like Moonlighter, yeah. I think you you shouted out. Um, another one that I've been meaning to check out for a really long time, but I, I probably will eventually is Battle Chef Brigade, which is another one that like it's you go out and you do like a beat em up to gather ingredients so you can go back and like have a cooking tournament, which is I think kind of like akin to a match three game or something along those lines. Like that stuff seems really cool. And, and it seems like Sakuna is like exploring that kind of more narratively than I think the other two yeah. are. Yeah, um, totally. And, and I'm, I don't know. I'm in, I'm into that. It sounds good. It, it is interesting that um, there's this like weird zeitgeist of like gods needing to redeem themselves recently, you know? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, what um, was that game that just came out? The Ubisoft Immortals Phoenix Rising just came out, which apparently is like very similar vibes. And also like Hades is like, you know, kind of Greek mythos. Yeah. Which is it feels a little bit like a fable. You know, it's like there was this goddess who was so spoiled that she had to plant rice. Yeah. For, you know, years at a time. Um, but yeah, for it's 30 uh, to 40 hours, depending on if she did all the side quests. <laughs> What's fun, too, is that it kind of is open to like when you leave and do whatever. So it's not like you can kind of spend a whole day at the farm if you want or you can spend a whole day fighting demons but there's kind of a real time clock happening so like when you see the sun setting kind of like in minecraft uh the demons get stronger at night and like mm. you straight up can't see what's happening in the cave when it's like actually nighttime yeah so you got to get out of there so like kind of planning your days and, like learning from what happens in the environment organically is a really fun time i can see it being frustrating but i can also see like we said earlier like learning from your mistakes and failure and knowing that you're not going to get it right the first time yeah is kind of what keeps you going in this game i guess my other big question because i'm I'm now considering if I should pick this game up or not, um, you know, this year or if I should wait until next year. But I, I'm just wondering, like, how much patience do you think this game requires? Like, do you think it do you think it lends itself to do you think it actually lends itself to like the Stardew Valley Animal Crossing side of things where like it's such a charming place to be that you want to be there and you don't mind the more tedious stuff because it just allows you to like hang out more? Or do you think it like requires a little bit more patience and a little more like uh, tenacity and perseverance to to spend time in both elements? of the game that's a great question i think it requires more patience animal crossing is very forgiving in that especially in new horizons where like you're never punished for doing anything you know yeah and like it's really just of your own goal for the island that you have to really do anything at all um stardew valley has that ticking clock and you know is sort of a, a long term you know th there's a lot of patience required there as well but there's also a lot to do so yeah. like if you want to like kind of ignore farming and just do the social stuff uh we have a bonus episode of that start of valley if you want to hear our full thoughts on it but if you want to just do like the caves or just do the socializing or you know any of the various activities you can do that in sakuna it's just farming or fighting demons yeah so i think that for either of those to really pay off there is patience required because like you're always kind of waiting for the other one to manifest so yeah i think what's also interesting though is that there are two difficulty sliders there's a difficulty slider for the combat and there's a difficulty slider for the farming oh you could put the farming on hard and put the combat on easy or vice versa i love um, that yeah i don't really know what that would change but i think that like if you want a more forgiving experience for the farming if it like especially if you're learning the game and don't really know what to do quite yet. Like, I'm still very much learning it. And what's cool, though, I, I just like how manual it is. I haven't seen that in a farming sim. Probably short of, like, actual farming simulator. You don't normally see that. Having to, like, lift a, you know, 
pull a thing up to let the water in and then put it down where there's enough water or let water out on the other side and like Mm -hmm. physically walk around and have to plant every seed. There's a very kind of satisfying feeling from that that I think might be subjective, but I think definitely like is something that I think a lot of players want to see in games like this. So yeah, there's patience required, but I think it's also like what you look for in this type of game. Yeah. It weird it weirdly sounds like a really good like um like before bed kind of game, especially on the Switch, like if you're playing in yes. handheld mode. Yeah, it's a very positive ritual for sure. I think it's probably best played in like short spurts. Yeah. I think if you're playing this for like hours, you might be like, okay, come on, can you grow a little faster? <laughs> uh, right. I, I think there's a big discussion of like the in-game clock versus like time passing in real life, like Animal Crossing. Um there are pros and cons to both. I I haven't found the in-game clock to be to my detriment yet other than being in a cave too late or um, I had a bunch of meat and fruit that has all gone bad at this point because I didn't eat it. <laughs> I didn't know <laughs> it was going to go bad, but you can use it as fertilizer now. So it seems like even oh. if something like wastes away, you can still find a use for it, which is cool. Yeah, it sounds really interesting. Yeah, it's I'm like still game. on the fence about it, honestly, but it, but it sounds really interesting. And honestly, I didn't I, I had seen, like I said, the screenshots for it on the Switch eShop. And like, that's the most I'd really experienced it outside of just like seeing that everybody seems to love it. So knowing more about what it's about, I actually does make me want to check it out a little bit more. But I'm not I'm not sure. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you're unsure, it, there's no harm in waiting until your schedule clears up a bit. I know we're both in like goatee mode of like getting everything in order. So it might not be the right time for a game that kind of requires patience <laughs> when we're like trying to dive deep into everything but it's definitely worth checking out i think you would like it a lot if you don't mind me moving on the Please. other game which i also think is up your alley and is maybe the strangest game i've played all this year and i mean that as a compliment mm. is paradise killer this one i have never heard of so i'm yeah. excited to hear about so paradise killer actually i read um this is just some research on pace magazine i read their list of like 40 best games of the year um and it was on it and also in our Discord, a shout out to, um, there's a pinned form in the Into the Aether channel for people to vote for their top five of 2020. And Paradise Killer got a couple of votes. And I looked it up and I was like, what is this? This looks so cool. It is like Vaporwave Phoenix Wright meets like a very <laughs> demonic acid trip. First person open world murder mystery is the is the headline yeah. on <laughs> Nintendo.com. Yeah. Uh, what is it out for? You can get it on Windows and Switch. Oh, it's also on Mac. Cool. I am playing it on Switch uh, per usual. And yeah, it is a very much a Phoenix Wright kind of visual novel where you are talking to a bunch of characters. Um, There has been a murder mystery and there is a person who has been blamed for it. So there's a person who's like in custody of the judge who is being held on trial. And a lot of characters are like, we don't really need you interfering right now. We already know who it is. Kind of like a 12 Angry Men scenario with that. Mm, Yeah. And you play as Lady Love Dies, who is a, okay, here we go. So very (laughs) simple setup. This is one of the strangest settings and like lore that can just be thrown at you, but it's so cool and fun. And like all the people who made this game, like it is such a cool setting. So basically there are these islands that are made to be paradise and every time they're manufactured as soon as they get close to actually making paradise demons come in and destroy it and they all move to a new island okay um reminiscent of some games we've talked about this year weirdly enough so there there are characters who have been on other paradises before lady love dies is an investigator who 
was exiled from this current paradise, but has been summoned back by the judge, who is this like multi-limbed, kind of like chaos from Hades, like a very strange character. And they're trying to figure out who committed this murder. One of the first characters you meet is a demon who is like this blue and neon pink creature who has like a censored smiley face sticker over their genitals and is flipping off the cameras with each hand and the <laughs> the finger is censored and their head is like a monolith of flesh. It's like one of the coolest designs I've seen in a character. And right away it's like, hi, I'm a demon. <laughs> um, the, the writing in this game and the dialogue is so much fun. And whenever you meet a character, your computer whose name is Starlight will be like, uh, this is uh, the witness of the end. They were born under the sign of kiss me to the moon. Uh, they, you know, Whoa. were remembered on the dwarf star, commonly known as the moon. Like that perished in the ninth paradise. Like just as much crazy. I've played all of Kentucky Red Zero this year, and this game is the weirdest game I've played this year. Yeah, like it is so out there, and they're having so much fun with this like weird, like way more positive Hotline Miami vibe, but like way more surreal and psychedelic. Like, it's just a bad acid trip the whole time. Yeah. And as you're walking around the setting, there's, like, really incredible, like, vaporwave music playing. Uh, whenever you, like, investigate or look at an item, it kind of, like, mutes the audio a bit, and then it comes back in full force when you go back into the first-person perspective. Like, I think you especially would really love the design and the music of this game. And it really shines when you're talking to these characters and investigating and like actually asking like choosing like okay do i press them on this issue do i have an alibi now and the game does a good job of keeping track of like what the characters have told you so they even list like here are the alibis here are the things that contradict their alibis and you know in the beginning you're sort of talking to various characters at this point i've talked to the architect who's this like very like art deco woman with a dog and she you know is like everything's fine here we'll be fine and there's another guy who's called the witness to the end who is like a helmet on and he's like praise the gods like the silent goat and the you know it's like so bizarre but like you still eventually get a sense of what the world is like and it's aided by the fact that it's a very straightforward, like, I just got to figure out who was murdered. You can mm. say whatever the hell you want about <laughs> the silent goat. Yeah. Uh, I know why I'm here. Yeah. It, it seems it, like you would need, um, you would need a conceit that simple if you're going to yes. go that bombastic yeah. with everything else. That, that's um, really fascinating. So Man. the investigation stuff is really cool. And you can also like spend time with the characters to increase your relationship with them. Kind of like persona, which <laughs> I haven't done a lot of, but that does exist. Yeah. And yeah, it's a really, really cool approach at a phoenix Wright type game my only big thing with this game that like holds me back from heralding it as like one of the best this year is that navigating the environment can be very tedious Mm. as beautiful as it is and as cool like it begins with you literally taking a leap of faith and jumping into this island and walking around and kind of absorbing the atmosphere and hearing the music is so cool there are items to find but like you can kind of scan the environment and see how far away the other characters are and sometimes it take it's like very confusing to get to the next character, and there will even be doors that are like locked or need to be powered on. I'm like I don't, there's so much happening right now with the plot. I don't need hard puzzles to prevent me from getting to the part of the game I like. Yeah. Um. I really wish this game, like as much as I like walking around the environment, I think this game would have benefited from just doing Phoenix Wright, where you see a map and you just select where you want to go. Mm. And like, you can survey that from a first person perspective, but like have everyone you need to talk to in the room. Like I don't get anything from like having to spend 20, like no joke, 
20 minutes trying to find how to get to the next character. And all I want to do is get there because I know once I do, it's going to be incredible. Yeah, there's nothing else to do except traverse the environment in yeah. those instances. Like you're literally you, just moving from point A to point B. Yeah, you, you can find some stuff and every now and then someone will call you on your phone. Like I just got called by Crimson Acid mm-hmm. who has a goat head and they're like, I live in the sewers. I sell secrets for money or for blood gems. Yeah. Um, so that was like casual references to satanic rituals happening. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's it's just you walking around and finding stuff, and you have to save manually. It doesn't autosave. Mm. Um, so like all that is 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 a big enough bummer for me to bring up because otherwise, I, this game is incredible. Like the presentation, the writing, the music, the just ideas happening here are so fucking wild. I yeah. love it. Like I really love this game. I just wish that it was easier to get through it because walking around, and I, I'm also someone who like I easily get lost in games. Like I don't know what it is. I just have a very hard time remembering where I was and I don't enjoy adding adversity to that in any way. So I struggle with that part of the game, but everything else is incredible. Paradise killer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just looked up some screenshots (laughs) and it looks like the kind of thing that I am surprised I didn't have on my radar really like literally at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It looks really cool. I shit. (laughs) I want to check it out. (laughs) Sorry to add to your burden, but that's what I've been doing. I mean, I literally checked out both these games. I'm like, these are both things that like, could potentially be on my list you know so yeah but either way regardless of my list they're definitely worth checking out like i would love to see more stuff like both these games they're both really fresh ideas on like kind of like specific genres and absolutely worth your time honestly i think the the bumping up against the navigation is also intensified by the fact that i'm trying to get through things faster than usual Mm. so it probably wouldn't have been as much of a pain point as it is like december 7th uh a week before we record goatee so yeah (laughs) yeah i will say it is fascinating to just hear about like the phoenix right like genre you know people thinking that you have to have the fog walls and the and the bonfires and stuff like why why is that stuff in paradise killer you know yeah why, um, why do you have to yell objection all the time in paradise Killer? <laughs> that's not what makes me like the phoenix right games you know right uh well but this is literally something that they don't like phoenix right you can just go straight to a place um and yeah. it does have that first person perspective with like looking for clues or things in the environment that was a bit i was yeah. doing but you took it into an actual like really good direction <laughs> thank thanks for doing that it was it was wonderful <laughs> yeah man I that listen. was a whole new level of yes and that was like <laughs> it's like yes and here's my dissertation on your bit yeah um so yeah a whole new level of yes and that just stunned me into silence yeah so those are the two games i've been playing i don't really have much else to say i'm still very early on in both of them but would highly recommend both if anything i said was up your alley yeah um paradise killer incredibly fresh idea really great writing really incredible character design like incredible i i would love to see whatever that team does next um and i am definitely going to play more of paradise killer um and sakana uh, sakana i think i could probably spend more time with once the things settle a bit which might be why you're on the fence i think it's a game that kind of requires a little bit more time to get going yeah that but, was specifically uh, why i asked that question about patience is like yeah how much time is it going to take me i think is my, <laughs> it's my big question there but yeah both both games are incredible so yeah that's what i've been up to yeah is there anything else that you have on your list of like things you want to check out before the year is out uh or are you yeah mostly just in like replaying and reshuffling mode well there's uh call of the sea which comes out yeah. uh it came out yesterday when this episode comes out 
Um, Haven was recommended to me on Game Pass, which oh, I yeah. want to check out as well. I was going to check that out for today, but I wanted to... Three games feel like a lot. I wanted to put a little bit more time into both Paradise Killer and Sakuna. I'll be interested to hear about Haven if you check it out. I, I watched the trailers and looked at some stuff about it, and it honestly doesn't seem like something that I would be interested in, but it does seem like something you would be interested in. So I'll be interested <laughs> to hear if you're, if you're into it. I don't like this, but Steven might. Yeah, I get that. Well, it's uh, like, like I think your most anticipated game of next year is Sable, right? Uh, maybe, yeah. I mean, whenever that comes out, I'm very excited for Sable. 2021 yeah. release, I think, slated at the moment. So, like, it's coming yeah. out next year, probably. And, like, that's your most anticipated game, which is exciting. I'm really excited to play it. But it's not mine. And I think Haven looks a lot like a kind of a, a Sable adjacent yeah. experience. Weirdly enough, the game that I'm most excited about for next year also looks like Haven and Sable, though, is uh, is, <laughs> is Jet, that new game by Super Brothers. Um, oh, yeah. Which yeah, is going to totally. be, I think, an exclusive for the PS5, which I'm like, I just really need I mean, to know more a- about. There's a lot coming out. I mean, Final Fantasy 16 comes out next year, too. Hypothetically, like, yeah, the date right now yeah. is 20, 2021, which, like, I can't believe. We'll see. Because we, we were talking about how hard this year has been for, like, limiting to 10 games. And I think next year might be even harder yeah. based on what's coming out. Yeah, th- this was, like, an unanticipated incredible year for video games. And next year it just looks like like it's gearing up to be, like, a 2007, 2011. Is there another year that you can throw down there? 2017. 2017, yeah. Yeah. Oof. 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 <laughs> um, what else? Uh, yeah, and I also, you know, if Umarangi Generation comes out on Switch, that's a big one. But uh, there's a pretty good chance. Oh, and then if Silk Song is Shadow Dropped, that's the other big one. Ugh. That's like why we're waiting for Thursday to determine when we record. Yeah, I do um, think something is going to come out during the Game Awards. I just don't know what. Clay Fighter 4. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, shit. Hold off on recording. We got to play this thing first. Oh my god, Clay Fighter. Celebrity Deathmatch. <laughs> the video game. Beavis and Butthead to America on the Series S. Beavis and Butthead to America. <laughs> uh, cool. Yeah, so that's what's on my radar. Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> okay. Well, All right. that sounds like the up. end of an episode. Yeah. <laughs> um hey thanks again for listening uh we really appreciate the support we've been getting lately um if you like the show the best way to help it grow is to share it with a friend who you think might also like it writing a review on apple podcasts is also a very helpful way a lot of you have done that recently uh we see you thank you so much it's really kind to to see your thoughts put into words all the links to the show are at enterthecast.online that's our twitch which has been very active lately brendan has been doing uh morning streams of hollow Knight and other streams as well i'm gonna get back to streaming to i had a playthrough of dragon age origins going which will be resumed i just have to figure out some of my setup but um expect to see me soon maybe on ps4 and i do have yeah, a question so that- actually twitch wise just out of curiosity for you dear listener i i tend to not like post on twitter and stuff whenever i'm going live i just kind of like go live randomly if there's a better way of notifying you or if if you i guess want better notifications about that stuff i guess let me know right now we have a thing set up in the discord where when you join the discord you can like click on a thing that will send you a discord notification whenever we go live um and i guess there's also the twitch notifications but if you feel like you're missing streams a lot or something and would like to be watching them i guess let me know on twitter or on the discord or instagram or wherever you feel like sending me a message uh, to let me know what a better method for that is out of curiosity 
Yeah, that's that's helpful to know because I mean we've we've varied from like announcing it the day before to like just not even posting about it. <laughs> so like, yeah, you know, if there's something in the middle that's better, please let us know. Yeah, I will say also that um, I, I mentioned earlier on when talking about the TWG stuff that I'm working on like a, a video thing that specifically I think is to uh, I guess just like create something that is is separate <laughs> separate from time is what I was about to say. Uh, yeah, it's like Paradise Killer. Um, yeah. I, I'm just trying to make something that that is like um, unburdened by the by needing to be live or whatever, because I've, I've heard sure. feedback. Thank you for the feedback, by the way. Uh, I've heard feedback that like, you know, the times that we can go live, which are like for me before work and after work tend to not be the best times for most people to watch stuff live anyway, um, which is why I'm trying to make something that is like just kind of can, can be ingested on your own time. You know, um, not something that you feel like you've missed out on, because even going and watching VODs of events that were live on Twitch can sometimes feel like you're missing out on like the fun interactive part of it. So I, I'm just I just am trying to make something that can be consumed on your own terms, I guess. Uh, and yeah. then whatever's most convenient for you. So if you're into something like that, I guess let me know also. But I'm working on it regardless. <laughs> Even if you hate the idea, I'm working on it. <laughs> it's going to happen whether you want it or not. Related to that kind of like uh, permanent thing that you can experience whenever um, we added a link to our Medium page on Into the Cast that online. Uh, it's always been there, but it previously, for whatever reason, wasn't linked. So if you ever want to go back and read, basically what that was in the beginning was we had a monthly newsletter where Brendan and I would both write something something either creative or more uh, autobiographic or, or a mix between the two. And um, we also would feature a lot of writing from people that we admired and art from people we admired and some of our own art sometimes. So that eventually kind of faded away when we realized we didn't want to create paywalled content from the Patreon because originally that was just for patrons. Um, and then it kind of went on a little bit of a hiatus. And then um, I wrote something a month or so ago about RPGs and I'm definitely planning on writing more. And, you know, so what did I write about? I wrote something. Oh, it was about control. It was about the it was about the cloud versions of stuff. Yeah. 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 So that that's going to kind of exist as like our creative free space to kind of do whatever. But expect more of that, too, um, at least from my end. I, I really enjoy writing there. And um, it's kind of just a sort of cool way to also do stuff kind of outside of the show, outside of time, as you were saying. Mm -hmm. uh, so and also like definitely read. Some of the past entries there too. There's a lot of cool work by you and others, um, and myself. I'll say it. Uh, so yeah. Um, otherwise, Patreon. Speaking of that, um, we've got a Patreon. It helps us pay AJ. It helps us buy equipment. It helps us buy games that we're on the fence about. It helps us grow. We can do the show without it. So if you ever have to pull your contribution for any financial reason, we will not take it personally. Um, but for those who have backed it, thank you very, very much. Um, we've been using it probably more than ever recently. So you've really helped the show like uh, kind of get a head start in some areas. Um, so thank you. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Do you have anything to add? I don't think so, actually. I think you covered everything. <laughs> thank you. I think that's it. Wow. We're really excited for the Game of the Year episode. We hope you are too. It's going to be a blast. Uh, we've done some fun stuff for that's a little bit new. Uh, we're going again, kind of experimenting with the formula a little. So uh, we hope you enjoy what we have going on there and expect yeah. that in the next two weeks. I will say, you know, the one the one big bummer, I think, is that this is going to be the first one that we don't get to record in person, which is kind of unfortunate, uh, you know, just given the state of things here in the United States of America. Uh, yeah. Where, where the pandemic is still like well underway. But that said, I'm really, really hoping that next year we're able to record some more stuff in person. I would really like to do that. Um, oh, when, you won't when, be able to get rid of me. Once I can go to Jersey <laughs> freely, I'm going to be all over you. Yeah, it's going to okay. be great. That'll yeah. be hard because I'm not in New Jersey anymore, but good luck. <laughs> <laughs>
I told you my name is Britton Bogley. No, shut up. I know who you are. Kiss me. Um, yeah, I mean, so I guess peek behind the curtain. I do have a very nice and cool deck here at my new apartment, uh, and I would love nothing more than to record an episode outside on the deck. That's like my dream. Yeah, that was scenario. the plan. That was the plan when things were a little bit like, okay, we can take a calculated risk. I can fly home in a hazmat big daddy suit. And yeah. like we were going to put like a space heater outside uh, so we'd all yeah. be able to sit on opposite corners of the deck and record an episode outside, which would be really fun. All that to say, it's still going to be a magical time. Yeah, so, absolutely. you know, it'll be a great time. But I agree. I think it'll be fun to do some stuff in person that maybe will lead its way to other things as well. If we're together in the same space, there's more creative opportunities there. Yeah. Uh, you know, like our oblivion stream and all that. So a lot of stuff to look forward to, which is nice. My name is Brendan Bigley. Wow. You can find me <laughs> on the internet at Brendan Bigley. <laughs> Nothing. That, whatever, <laughs> the cosmic opposite of yes and is just silence. Uh, my name is Stephen Hilger. You can find me at Stephen Hilger. Have a wonderful day. Sorry, I was actually just thinking about uh, how long it takes us to record a normal episode of this podcast and what it's going to be like to record the Goaty episode. Last year's Goaty episode, I think, took us literally the entire day to record. Like we started at like 10 a.m. Yeah. and ended like the sun had gone down. It was like 6 or 7 p.m. Halfway through, we got a pee. Pizza. Um, and then, uh-huh. that was terrible. <laughs> Dude, it takes us forever to film the goatee because every time we get hungry, we have to get a pizza. Uh, and then, you know, go on a beer run with AJ. And I recommend beers that you can only get in the Midwest. <clears throat> Anyway, this episode took us four <laughs> hours to record. Just about. This one today? Yeah, we're at three and a half what? hours. Yeah. That oh I guess there was a lot. We kept trying to start again and we kept goofing off on the break. Yeah, we talked about high fidelity for like an hour in between <laughs> the break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was rough. That movie um, doesn't hold up, friends. It does not. Don't read a book. Or, or just watch, read, read the book or just watch the Jack Black scenes, basically. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, all that to say, thank you for listening. We will see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.